You have your Bibles this morning? Well, you need them because we're going to start here in a minute. It's going to be like a drinking from a fire hose. Psalm 23. Psalm 23. Now, I grew up in a Southern Baptist church, went to Bible school every summer. And one thing I learned, if you want to know where the Psalms are, you just open your Bible halfway. Unless you've got one of these Bibles that's got a whole lot of extra stuff in there and it might be a little bit different. Psalm 23. How many of you think you can uh, quote that by heart? Yeah, okay. Well, well, we'll see about that here in a minute. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for today. Thank you for this time together. We thank you for these precious people that you have called to this church. I pray today, God, that you'd speak, help me get out of the way, so that these, your people, may hear your word and apply it to their lives. For it's in Christ's name we pray, amen. There's a marvelous old story about this kid who tried to pose a puzzle for an older man. The kid said, I have a bird in my hand. Is it alive or dead? He knew if the old man said alive, he would crush it and prove he was wrong. If he said it was dead, he would open his hands and let it fly away, again proving it was wrong. It's a conundrum. There's, there's no solution to it. <laughs> but the old man was wise, and he said, The answer, alive or dead, is in your power. It's in your hand. It is what you will. It is in your hands today that you have life. If you're, have, if you're a believer, there are only two days. Today and that day when Jesus comes again. So right now, it's in your power. God has given you the word. He's given you a church. He's put the Holy Spirit in you. He has stood beside you. He has promised to always be with you. So it's in your hand today to determine the direction of your life. You say, well, at this point in my life, I, I, I really don't think that's true because you don't realize how old I am. My, my life is behind me. Oh, no, 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 no. You've been singing that song when we've been there 10,000 years. Your best life is still ahead of you, and you need to start getting ready for that day. So it's in your hands today, what will you do with it? But now the devil, he is, he is very, very wise. He's, he's very cunning. I read a poll, a Time CNN poll recently, and it said 69% of those polled said they would like to slow down and relax. Other surveys show that people are tired and want more leisure time. However, other surveys show we have more time off than any other generation. So what's wrong? We're like a greyhound in one of those dog races. You see, they have this mechanical rabbit. And they run that mechanical rabbit around and around and around. And the dogs chase that rabbit. You know why? Because it's in 
those dogs, it's those instincts to chase that rabbit. And if they didn't stop the rabbit, the dogs would literally run themselves to death. And that's what's wrong with you and me today. We're chasing that rabbit, and you're never going to catch it. Now, I don't know what it is. It might be money. It might be house at the beach. It might be a relationship. It might be something out there you say, if I just had this, I'm not happy where I am right now, but what's the problem? That which you're chasing will never make you happy. All it will do is make you feel hopeless. It'll make you feel helpless. It'll make you feel trapped. It'll make you feel like you're in a maze of impossible demands that you can never keep. There's no release. There's no one who cares. There's no one who can tell you the truth. There's no one who knows how you feel. And so when you get into that situation, what do you do? You open your Bible and you turn in the Bible to Psalm 23. It is one of the most familiar passages in the world. I have literally had people quote Psalm 23 who were Hindus and Muslims. So it is very, very well known. And it starts out with, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Ready to go to work? Come on now. Come on, if I can drive all the way down here, surely you can be ready to go to work here today. Come on now, get with me. You're going, you're going to have to listen. You're going to have to talk to me. I won't, you know, if you go to your doctor and never talk to him, he, he, he or she will never, never know what's wrong with you. So you're going to have to talk a little bit. We're going to talk about the God who cares. We're going to talk about the God who cures. And we're talking about the God who continues. First of all, the God who cares. David says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. It's a picture of God. It's a picture of the relationship between a believer and God Almighty. Remember Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. But when David used the word Lord, he used the word Yahweh. It's an ancient Hebrew name. It's an identity of God. Uh, the ancient Hebrew scholars, when they would write the name of God, Yahweh, they would always use a new pen and a new quill. They would, they would never, ever, ever, ever even utter it. Now, they went too far because God is not only holy, because God is also personal. So he says, the Lord, it's a, it's a verb, but it's always in the present tense. The Lord is. That means he's always, always with you. That means it's something profoundly, profoundly personal. I heard an Israeli, a retired Israeli colonel that was in the the Yom Kippur War, when Israel was almost overrun. He made this statement. He was up on the Syrian border. They had 400 Syrian tanks coming across, and, and when it was all over with, 
they had two Israeli tanks left and almost no ammunition. He said, we've never shot better. We've never seen better. He said, we knew what was going to happen before it would happen. And then he said, I am an agnostic, but I almost believed at that time you that there is a God. And one of my friends said, oh, not only is there a God, but you are one of the chosen people. See, God has chosen you. He has chosen you to reveal himself to you so that you may know him and you may love him. So he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Jesus said, my yoke is easy. Jesus said, what I want you to do is get in concert with me. I want you to walk with me. And when you walk with me, this is what will happen. Listen to this. Now, just listen to this. The Lord is my shepherd. That means you're yoked up with Jesus. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. That means he takes you to a pleasant place. He gives you peace. He gives you tranquility. He leads me beside still waters. That means he refreshes, he restores my soul. That means he does not make you what you used to be. He makes you what he intended for you to be when you were born. To instill in you that truth that he is and that he's personal and he has his eye on you and he has his hand on you. And by the way, if you're a believer, he has his Holy Spirit living in you. He leads me in paths of righteousness. That means when you go outside and you walk around, he will give you righteous thoughts. There's a difference between right and wrong and righteousness. Righteousness is not right. Right and wrong is determined by the culture. Righteousness is determined by God. Righteous behavior means when God goes like this, you go like this. When God goes like this, you go like this. When God goes like this, you go like this. It means he lives in you. Your life becomes his life. So God is with you. Then he says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Have you ever been in a threatening situation where you thought you were going to die? He says, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord most of the time. Are you listening? What did I just say? Forever. Forever and forever. That's unbelievable. That's a personal promise. But did you hear what I said? Did you hear how I read it? I read it by accentuating those personal pronouns. I, me, you, thee, thou, 
whatever you want to. It is a conversation between two people who are radically committed to one another. It is a personal conversation between you and God. I have seen this all over the world. I have seen the 23rd Psalm on tombstones. I have seen it in hospital chapels. I have seen it in prisons. I have seen it in the midst of fear. I have seen it in confusion. I've seen it in despair. I've seen it when I buried a boy's mama, and I've seen it when I buried a mama's boy. I've seen it when I buried little babies, and I've seen it when women would come to me that had ended the life of their babies before they were ever born. I've seen this over and over when there is godless grieving, but I have noticed that even if somebody is a godless pagan, the 23rd Psalm brings comfort if it is read with passion and personal knowledge about God. Now, I've been out there in that desert in in Israel. I've been out there where David was, and I've seen what happens when those eagles fly. An eagle will fly out into that desert, and he won't be flapping his wings He'll catch that ruach. It's it's the spirit wind. It's the wind of the desert. It's the same word that Jesus used for the wind of the spirit. He'll he'll catch that ruach and he'll he'll put those wings out and he'll do like this and he'll go higher and he'll go higher and he'll go higher and he'll go higher. There have been pilots who have literally said they would be flying along and they would look out the side of their of their airplane and there would be a a eagle going like this and i wonder if that eagle looked over and winked at them just like that and what they do is they fly higher and higher because that's their instinct and that's your instinct to catch that spirit and fly higher and higher and higher and higher until reach out and touch the face of God. That can be your experience. But that will not be found in a loud venue. God says, be still and know that I am God. That will not be found in activity. That will only be found in a personal relationship with God. Secondly, are you with me? Are you with me? All right. Well, yeah. I, you know, that's enough. You, you want some more? All right. All right. Okay. Okay. The God who cares. Yahweh is my shepherd. Yahweh is personal. Now, now you can call me preacher. You can call me pastor. I've had people who called me students. I have people who call me dad. I have, I have uh, six people who call me poppy. Uh, I have some people who call only one who calls me Joseph. Uh, some people call me Joe. You see my face, you see my heart, you experience me. See, see, see what we're 
where what we're saying is we all have an identity in what we are called. So when, when, when David says, the Lord is my shepherd, Yahweh is my shepherd, he is saying, first of all, God is unchanging. God doesn't change his mind. He, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But he's also uncaused. That means he never changes, but you didn't make him. He's not a figment of your imagination. It's not just wishful thinking. God has always been. You say, I don't understand that. Would you really want to have a God who is just like you, who had a beginning and an end? Well, heavens, no, you wouldn't want that. You want your God to be unchanging, uncaused. He's also un, ungover, uh, ungoverned. God is not affected by the weather. God is not affected by the circumstances. God is not affected by the Supreme Court. God does not change. He sits on his throne. He doesn't check with anyone. His word is forever and forever. So God, the, Yahweh is my shepherd. That means he has tender, loving care. David was a shepherd. He knew what it was to lead sheep, to care for sheep. So he says, the shepherd is responsible for me. Therefore, since I'm following him, I know he cares about me. I shall not want. He is sufficient. He's all I need. He's all I want. He takes care of everything. It's not me going after something. It is me experiencing someone. There's a difference. I might want to live in your house or drive your car, or I might want to experience you. That's what we're talking about. He wants to experience the shepherd. He wants to experience God. And so therefore, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. And when you look at it, he says, for our weariness, there are green pastures. For our anxieties, there's still water. For our falterings, there is restoration. For our perplexities, there is guidance. By the way, that faltering, I don't ask questions like that anymore. I used to ask, does anybody here know anybody that's ever made a mistake? Always been right. And one old boy raised his hand, serious, little old country church down in South Carolina. I said, you know somebody that, that's never been wrong? He said, yeah, my mother-in-law. <laughs> for our, for, <laughs> so I'm not going to ask you if you know anybody that's there. For our falterings, there's restoration. For our perplexities, there is guidance. For our fears, there is comfort. For our enemies, there is a feast. For our hurts, there is anointing. And for the end, there is the Father's house. God is all sufficient all the time, every time. The Lord is my shepherd. You say, but wait a minute, Pastor, what about, what about if a sheep gets out of line? What does he do? Well, if a sheep gets out of line, he'll bring him back in line. If he gets out of line, he'll bring him back in line. If he gets out of line, he'll bring him back in line. If he gets out of line, he'll bring him back in line. And if he gets out of line too far, too often, what he'll do, he'll end up and he'll break its leg and he'll put it up around him and he'll carry it. Some of you have broken legs today because you like to wonder. God wants to heal that broken leg, but he also wants to make sure that you get accustomed and you get used to and you get addicted to the smell of the shepherd, the touch of the shepherd, 
the voice of the shepherd, the shepherd of God. So David says, I know the shepherd, and the shepherd is, the shepherd is my God. My God is my shepherd. My shepherd is my God. I've experienced this. You've experienced this. I remember I remember uh, being on a ship of the United States Navy running from God uh, in the middle of the distant seas, uh, sky far, far above and the ocean deep below looking in every direction. There was nothing. There was a ship, a speck on a trackless sea and my body, a small soul on a crowded ship. My heart was insignificant. And I remember going down to the mess decks on a Sunday morning. I didn't even know it was Sunday morning. And seeing a Roman Catholic chaplain down there giving out the Lord's Supper. And I wasn't a Catholic. He wasn't a Baptist. But I needed to experience God. And he touched my tongue with that wafer. And I discovered God is my shepherd. God was as close to me in the, on that ship in the middle of nowhere as he was, as my dad was when I was a little boy, and he used to hand me the wafer and the grape juice because he was the chairman of deacons and he could do that. You see, God wants to hand that meal to you. He wants to hand that to you. He wants you to be, be there. I remember a night when we walked into an ambush and we were surrounded and outgunned and out of everything and we were going to die. And I stood before God. He was there. You might have been ambushed this week. You might have been ambushed by something. This is not original with me. This is something that's happened over and over down through the ages. So I've heard this this week. You'll get through this. You listening? Little girl, are you listening? Young lady, are you listening? Singles, are you listening? You'll get through this. It won't be painless. It won't be quick. But God will use this for good. In the meantime, don't be foolish or naive, but don't despair either. With God's help, You'll get through this. I read that. I heard that. And I went to the grocery store. And there she was in the grocery store right there between the bananas and the mangoes. Hey, Jennifer, I said, how how you doing? I, I've not seen you in years. How's Doug and the kids? How, how's, they, how's things going? And there the world disappeared. And she opened her broken heart. And she poured her sold out right there in the public's produce aisle before her former pastor. Three kids, cottage, countless moves, meals, miles, and she has been dumped for a woman 20 years younger and 30 pounds lighter because he just didn't feel it. You'll get through this. It won't be painless. It won't be quick. But God will use this for good. In the meantime, don't be foolish. Don't be naive. But don't despair either. With God's help, you will get through this. 
I wish I could have said a word. I wish I could have touched her and, and something, something would have happened. But, but all I know is the Lord is my shepherd. And so I left her there and took my bananas to the checkout counter. Hey, pastor, some guy said. Hey, Lynn, he had been a Sunday school teacher in, in the church that I had pastored for almost 30 years. How's it going? That's the worst thing. I don't know why I asked that question. How's it going? Well, half the managers are being transferred to open a new store. And I just can't do it. I can't make another move. So next week, they're letting me go. What do I do now? Shame. Insecurity. Put my arm around him and like I want to put my arm around you today. Like I, I want to just pull you up real close and say, you'll get through this. It won't be painless. It won't be quick. But God will use this for good. In the meantime, don't be foolish. Don't be naive. But don't despair either. With God's help. You'll get through this. Now, these are friends of mine. These are people that I baptized. These are people that I married. These are, these are people that I had the Lord's Supper with. These are people that I discipled. These are people that I was there when their babies were born and, 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 and when their, their babies were young adults. And, and, and now, now I, I run, run into a, an, another young lady and she's a young adult and her parents have gotten a divorce and and now she's right in the middle of 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 getting ready to apply to medical school but that's out she's she's lost her dream and she looks at me and she says what do i do you'll get through this it won't be painless it won't be quick but god will use this for good in the meantime don't be foolish don't be naive but don't despair either with God's help, you'll get through this. You hear that? That's the gun that's pointed at your head. It's cocked and loaded. It's, it's, it's got disappointment in it. It's got fear. It's got hopelessness. It's got bitterness. It's got despair. And then there's Janus. I really had never pastored Janice that I knew of. She was out in a country church out beyond Charlotte. And she went through a messy, messy divorce. Messy divorce. Are there any unmessy divorces? Messy divorce. I ran into her preaching a revival in her church came up to me she said you don't know this she said I drove 45 miles every Sunday morning to the 915 service I walked up into the third row balcony because I was ashamed that anybody would know my name she said I would go in kind of late and on the side because I didn't want anybody speaking to me she said I crawled in and you would give me hope for eight months you literally saved my life you'll get through this it won't be painless it won't be quick but God will use this for good in the meantime 
Don't be foolish. Don't be naive. But don't despair either. That's about all I want to say today. And so the reason God brought me here is to give you hope you jump on that helicopter and you lock and load that you are coming back give you enough that you can make it another week until you learn to feed yourself